I want to speak to you today out of Luke chapter 4. It says there, just part of the verse actually, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I'm going to switch over, guys. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Galatians chapter 5 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I want you to know something this morning. Jesus was led by the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit. When Jesus walked on this earth, the Bible declares that He laid aside His kingship, not in the fact that He wasn't still king, but He laid aside all of the privileges and rights that He had access to in heaven, and He laid them aside on earth to walk this earth as a man. How many of you know the gospel is not the gospel unless Jesus was 100% fully man? God became man. It's part of our basic doctrine. But He was fully God as well. But He laid aside those rights and privileges for a short time to show us how to walk so that we could know that we can live in this life. And Jesus was led by the Spirit, according to Luke chapter 4. Led, even at times, into dark places. He was led into the wilderness. But the Bible also declares that we can be led by the same Holy Spirit. So this morning, I want you to know something. We are all called. We are all called. We had a great discussion Wednesday night in our class. By the way, if you think you missed it, no, you haven't missed it. You can come on Wednesday nights. We have some incredible discussions and incredible studies here on Wednesday night at 7. But we talked about being called, that we're all called. We're all part of what we call the priesthood of believers. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a priest. That's what the Bible calls you. And I know some of you laugh at that. But you are a priest of the Most High God. The Bible declares that we are priests before God. We all serve a purpose in the kingdom of God. There is not one greater in that sense in the kingdom. He's the greatest. In fact, he said if you want to be great in the kingdom, then you've got to become least in the kingdom. So we are all part of the priesthood of believers. We have different functions, things like that. I teach on that a lot, but I just wanted to remind you of that. Because when we're living that purpose, when we're living the purpose that God has called us to, just as Jesus did, we need direction. Somebody say direction. We need advice. We need guidance. We need strategy. Dare I say it, we even need wisdom. Anybody need wisdom in the house? Come on, I don't care if you're 15, if you're 51, or if you're 105. Nobody 105 here this morning. But you need wisdom. 
We need divine guidance. We need divine wisdom. John 14, Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Oh, man, I wish I had time on that one. Because I am going to the Father. In other words, because I go to the Father, you'll be able to do greater things. And how will we be able to do greater things? And I will do whatever you ask for in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and watch this. Here it is. Here's the power punch of this passage. And he will give you another advocate. Another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Who's the advocate? He says it in verse 17. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And I love this verse. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. How many of you know none of us are orphans in the kingdom of God? There are no orphans in the kingdom of God. There are no foster kids in the kingdom of God. Mm. Man, I wish I had another hour. Come on. There are no orphans, no foster kids in the kingdom because we are children of God. Now, we, we were foster kids. Come on, somebody. We were orphans, but God adopted us. Through Jesus, through his blood, we are adopted. Okay, i got to move on. But you know him. He says, I won't leave you out as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you will also live. You see, Jesus didn't leave us as orphans. He left us as sons and daughters. He left us with the comforter, the counselor, the advocate, the blessed Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led Jesus. The Holy Spirit will lead us. But how? That's really the crux of the message today. How does the Holy Spirit lead us? So I want to talk to you quickly about how to be led by the Spirit. Are you ready? Get out your pen. Get out your notes on your phone, whatever you need, because you need to hear this and you need this today, or else the Lord would have said, no, just go on. Now, some of you would have been happy with that, but that's not what God wanted today. Are you ready? Here it is. Number one, how are you led to be spirit, led by the Spirit? First of all, be present in the presence of God. Can you say that with me? Be present in the presence of God. What does that mean? That means be in proximity to the Holy Spirit. Be near. And some of you I know are already, your theological red flags are going, yeah, but He's everywhere, right? God is everywhere. David even knew this and understood this in the Old Testament. He said, if I make my bed in hell, he is there. I mean, I can't go to the highest heights. He's there, right? How many of you know God is everywhere? He's, he's omnipresent is the word there. He's everywhere. <laughs> but where are we? He's with us, but are we with him? Hello? He's here, but are we here? 
I used to, I'm just going to give you an old example because this is going to exclude half of you in the room. I get that. But there used to be these things that would be delivered on the front. I have to do a little bit of explanation. They used to be delivered on the front door or sometimes in the front lawn of most people's homes every day. Any, anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, it's called a newspaper. I know some of you don't have a clue. It, it, it was paper and it had news in it, okay? And it was a really neat kind of thing. Anybody ever seen one before? Yeah, they're, they're uncommon now, but they were there. Well, sometimes, you know, when my dad would get the newspaper every night, he would sit down after he came in from a hard day of building whatever he was building as a, as a contractor, and he would come down and he would sit in his easy chair and he would pop open that newspaper and he would begin to read. Anybody have a memory like that? Okay, I do. I remember that. And he would sit down and read that. And my mom, I got to just tell you, for those of you that remember my mom and dad before they passed, my mom was a talker. You sat down next to my mom and you'd be there for days, okay? She just talked. That's how she woke me up in the morning. She, I didn't have to have an alarm clock. My mom just came in and started talking. And I would never say a word. She would just keep talking so much that I would finally wake up and I would walk out of my room and I would walk into the bathroom and my mom would be still talking when I came out. I loved my mom. But my mom would do that to my dad. My, my mom would be talking and telling her about the day and telling her about this. And, and where was my dad? <laughs> Newspaper. And sometimes my mom would say these words, Are you hearing me? Yes, honey. <laughs> Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about. And, you know, he was there, but he wasn't there. Can I tell you, sometimes we can do this with the Word of God. We can be there. He's there, but we're not there. We need to be present in the presence of God. And I'm going to be honest with you. Out of the three I'm going to give you, this one is one I struggle with sometimes. It's sometimes I, I, I even come in this room. I, I love praying in this room. And sometimes I'll come in this room and I'll just be praying and I'll even be praying in the Spirit and I'll just be praying and then, and then I'll start thinking. Anybody ever pray and think at the same time? You're praying, but you're thinking about, you know, what you got to do, what you got to think, what you got, oh, I got this, and these conversations. Well, I've learned what to do with those. There's two things I do with those. Either I write them down so that I can remember them later, and then I keep on praying, or I start praying about them. So sometimes your name will come up to me, and I'll begin to pray for you. I'm praying about something totally different, but maybe a name will come up, and I begin to pray for that name. But sometimes just crazy stuff comes up. I just write that stuff down. And I get back to that later. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You see, we got to be present in the presence. Jesus pulled away from the crowds. He pulled away from the chaos. He pulled away from the children. I mean, his disciples. To be in God's presence. One of my favorite stories about this is is there were uh, the Wesley brothers, Charles, and now the other one slipped my mind, Charles Wesley and John Wesley, thank you. Charles and John Wesley, part of the, part of the great awakenings in the 1800s, started the Methodist movement. But Charles and John Wesley talk about their mother. I believe they had something like 13 or 14 children. You think we have a lot of kids. I mean, 13, 14 kids. And, and they were all there, and they were younger. 
And they remember and they say, one of, it was either Charles or John reported in one of his writings, that his mother had all these kids running around, all the chaos running around, everything running around, but she had a time of prayer every day. And she would take her apron and she would pull her apron over her head. And they said they could hear their mother praying out loud for them, for missionaries, for all kinds of things. So even in that chaos, she found time to be present in the presence of God. Some of you think that Paul made tents. Paul never made a tent that you slept in in his life. It's a, it's a mistranslation. It's a mistranslation of the English or of the, of the Greek word. His tent that he made, they were prayer shawls. And why they were called tents is because of the same reason of Miss Wesley. They would put these prayer shawls over their heads and they would close them in. How many of you know you don't have to have a closet in your house to pray? Some, I used to think, man, when I get a house, I'm going to have to build a closet just for prayer. No, I mean, it's nice if you have it, but the closet was the prayer shawl. And they would take that prayer shawl and they would close in. Jesus, even with the chaos, would take that prayer shawl and he would put it over him and he would get in with the Father. But there were times that it was just so much chaos, he'd have to pull away to be present in the presence. Will Reagan and United Pursuit have a song. I just want to quote this. It says, Lord, I don't want to rush on ahead in my own strength. When you're right here, I'm not in a hurry. When it comes to your spirit, when it comes to your presence, when it comes to your voice, I'm learning to listen. Just to rest in your nearness, I'm starting to notice you're speaking. Lord, I want to love like you. I want to feel what you feel. I want to see what you see. Open my eyes. I want to see you more clearly. Open my ears. I want to hear you speak. Tell me your thoughts, what's on your mind. I'll be your friend. I want to see through your eyes. What is Will Reagan saying? He's saying, we've got to learn to listen. We've got to learn to tune in. We've got to learn to be present in the presence of God. And in that presence... He will lead us. I, I love that verse where he says that, that I'm beginning to know you're speaking. How many of you know God's always speaking? It's we just got to recognize his voice. I wrote this. Don't find the time to be in the presence of God. How many of you know if you find the time, you'll never find it? Make the time. Make the time to be present in His presence. Secondly, how, do, how are we led by the Spirit? First of all, it's in that intimate relationship with God being present. Secondly, it's being in the community of God. Be in the community of God. You see, Jesus not only pulled Himself away, but we begin to read in the Scripture where He pulled His disciples away. Remember that? One point, one of the most famous points is on the Mount of Transfiguration where He pulled Peter and John, and, and he brought them up to the mountain. You see, what was Jesus doing? He was beginning to teach them how to be present in his presence before he left. Yeah. He was teaching them about the Holy Spirit and how that the Holy Spirit would guide in them and direct them. So he took them up to the mountain, and he revealed himself to them, and they were blown away by what they saw as they woke up out of their slumber. You see, I see that as the community of God. There are times that we, we need to understand that as a community we can experience the presence of God. 
Let me say that again. As a community, we can experience the presence of God. You see, those apostles, they, those disciples, they carried this from not only from Jesus, but they carried it into when they became leaders. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 15, verse 28, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Let me say that again. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to who? Us. To us. You see, there is a progression. If we're always just saying, well, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and me. That's good. That's a good place to be. But there needs to be community as well. You see, the apostles understood that one had strengths that the other one didn't. That God gave Peter this loud voice, right? You don't remember that? God gave Peter this loud voice. He became a spokesman in so many ways. But Thomas, everybody, man, poor Thomas. Thomas always gets this thing about being doubting Thomas. I mean, we have it in our language, right? But Thomas wanted to be intimate. He, he wanted to see, he wanted to be a part of what was going on. And so Thomas may not have been the one that was always out there speaking, but he could see things. He could hear things. How many of you know Thomas had some giftings that Peter needed? And Peter had some giftings that Thomas needed. You see, that's in that community. And if I could say it this way, we need to find our tribe. We need to find the people that we trust. In community, we hear the voice of the Spirit confirmed and amplified. You see, when the Holy Spirit drops something in your heart, and you can go to your community, whether that's your spouse, whether that's some close friends, some close family members, whether that's a small group, whether that's a group of individuals. When, when you can come to that group and say, look, this is what I hear God speaking to me. What do you think? And they're able to respond. Here's when you really know their community. When they are able to respond, well, that sounds really nice, but I think you just ate some bad Thai food last night or something, you know? That just, that's just not good, right? And, and, they, and they're able to speak to you and say, are you sure that this is what God is saying? Can I just say this? I can feel some of you tensing right now. Because you see, in our American Christianity, we are so individualized. We have this individualism that rises up in us and says, we're not going to let anybody tell us if God is speaking to us or not. You better get rid of that. That's an idol. I'll just, I'll just call it out. That's an idol. You see, can you go honestly into the New Testament and see a single individual doing anything great for God? So you say, what about Paul? How many times did Paul mention everyone else that was with him? Yeah. There was a couple of times, I didn't write them down, but there was a couple of times when Paul even said, everyone's abandoned me. Everyone's abandoned me. Well, except for Luke and Epaphroditus and... Hello? Paul had community. Paul had community. Peter could have been a man on his own island. Man, he could have, he could have been Peter's Ministry, Inc., and he would have made millions, right? Because of his incredible speaking voice and being able to get a crowd and being able to minister and seeing, you know, things come down from heaven and all these visions. I mean, he could have written a lot of books and made a lot of money. Anybody with me? Yeah. 
Peter could have done that. But Peter had community as well. It was called the apostles, but it was also called Paul, his friend. You remember Paul rebuked Peter? He called him out on something. He said, what are you, you are preferring the Jews? What, are we going back to Judaism now, Peter? Paul was able to call him out. Do you have somebody who can call you out? Man, it got real quiet. I didn't mean for it to be quiet. I wanted this to be a shouting message. Come on. We need people that can speak in and we can listen and we can take that back to the presence of God the next morning, the next day, and say, Lord, this is what they've said. What, what do you think? And God will speak to us. Amen? Amen. You know, I, I just got to tell this story. I've told it before, but I've got to tell it again. I, I love this story. I see this community as, as when Joni and I were going through a time in our life and we were, we, we, I mean, we really, I don't think at that point we were thinking about planning a church or doing anything like that, but, but something was stirring. I mean, things were going pretty good. Our youth ministry was going good. Things were, were really actually kind of hopping. I mean, things were going good in the ministry. And, but something was kind of stirring. And literally, we were in a church service. We were in with our community, our tribe, the people that, that, that we knew that were close by us. My pastor was part of that community. He could speak into my life. And, and as we're in a worship time, Russ, I hear the Holy Spirit say, do you trust me? And I don't know why that thing hit me, but that thing hit me hard, and I began to cry. And my wife comes in and after delivering the kids to the nursery and stuff and she comes and we're on the front row as the staff had to be at that time. And we're on the front row and she comes in and during the worship song, just after a few minutes, she just begins to cry. She's like overcome and she looks at me and I look at her and she said, did God speak to you? And I said, yes. She said, what did he say? I said, you go first. <laughs> she said, I just feel like he said do you trust me? You see, God was speaking the same thing. Can I tell you, in community, many times God will speak the same things to us. Why? Because He's the same Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm going to move on. Find that community. Hmm. The third one. How are we led by the Spirit in community, being present in the presence, and being in the house of God. Luke chapter 4. Russ, you set this up for me earlier. Luke chapter 4 says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about Him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised Him. He went to Nazareth where He had been brought up and on the Sabbath day, He went into the synagogue. Can you read those three words? Do we have them up there? Let's read those four words, excuse me. As was His custom. The word custom there is the word etho in the Greek. It means accustomed or habit or conventionality. Accustomed, habit, or conventionality. What does that mean? That means Jesus, the Son of God, was accustomed to coming in to the synagogue. Now watch this. Do you remember Jesus at 12? What was Jesus doing at the age of 12? Teaching the teachers. He was instructing the teachers for three days, so much so that they didn't want him to leave. They're probably like, oh, come on, Mary and Joseph, can he just stay a little bit longer? I mean, this kid's got something, right? He knew more than the teachers at the age of 12. And yet, 
he was accustomed into coming into the house of God. He was accustomed to listening to teachers who he could have taught. Mm, Got real quiet again. He was used to coming to the house of God. Let's play this out a little further. Peter and John were coming to the temple in Acts chapter 3. And the Bible says it was at the time of prayer. The Holy Spirit had already fallen at this point. They already just went from a small church to a mega church overnight. They went from 120 to 3,000 people. They had people to disciple. They had people to minister to. They had people to to, uh, 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 baptize. They had people to teach. They had people out the wazoo coming out at this point. And they're going, how do we do this? But what did Peter and John do? Did they say, hey, we're too busy now to go to the house of God. We're too busy to go to the time of prayer. No, what did Peter and John do? They walked to the house of God, to the temple to the time of prayer. I'm going to get there in just a second. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. So now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us. God, knowing that God always keeps his promises. And this is out of, the, out of one of the um, paraphrase versions. I just wanted to read this. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to vo- motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. Hebrews 10, 25. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. You see, what the Scripture is saying is here is that we need to make a habit of coming together instead of making a habit not coming together. If this doesn't speak to the American church, I don't know what verse does. Because in the American church, we have said, oh, we've got this going on. Oh, we've got... How many of you know that now in the Metroplex, your little leaguer can play baseball on Sunday morning? Joni and I were talking about this just the other day. She said, it used to be that on Sunday mornings, every store was closed except for gas stations and a few others. Anybody remember those days? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But it didn't matter what part of the country. It didn't matter if you were in liberal north or or if you were in church south. They just closed. I'm not saying we go back to that. But what I am saying is here, listen. There was a value of saying, be in the house of God. There was a value of saying, come together. And in America, we've kind of put that. And I know you're here, so I'm preaching to the choir. Understand that. I recognize that. But we've got to say it. It's got to be said. It's time for us to come together more, not less. I love what one pastor said. He said, if we make church optional now, speaking to parents, our kids will make Jesus optional later. (laughs) Here's the thing. We have the Holy Spirit. He's been given to us by our Savior. He's the Spirit of the living God. He's here with us. 
And he wants to lead us into all triumph. He wants to lead us into greater works. He wants to lead us in our purpose, in our lives. He does. But we got to be led. We got to be willing to be led by the Spirit. There's a feature that came out a few years ago on many of your phones. And uh, just because I have an iPhone, I'm, I'm using this example, but it doesn't matter. Almost all of the phones have that feature now. <laughs> I got into one individual's car in the house that uh, you're here today, and they began to speak to their car. I was like, how did you do that? That's cool. I said, I can do that at home with my Alexa, but man, you're doing it right here. He said, well, Alexa's right here. I was like, wow, that's cool. You could do that in your car. So now we've got these features. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Hey, Siri. Hey, Google. My Siri is turned off because I'm using this. But you say, hey, Google. Alexa. Or whatever you want to call her, you know. And what happens? They answer you, don't they? Isn't that just a nice little feature? I love saying, hey, Siri, set me an appointment for 10 a.m. Monday morning. Set me an appointment for 9 a.m. Tuesday for men to come together at at Dove Creek Cafe. See how I did that? That was good. Anyway, so, you know, set me that appointment. I I love that. Hey, Siri, call my wife on the speakerphone. Boom. Hey, Siri, don't call my wife on the speakerphone. Call her privately, right? Depends on the conversation. Lighten up. It's okay. Anybody have those? Anybody use any of those features? Hey, Alexa, play this on Apple Music. Yeah. And it's, it's convenience. It's great. Everybody's listening. Yes, they are. The government included. It's awesome. It's just a wonderful feature. We all love it. Some people wonder how the mark of the beast is going to be handed out. I promise you, people are going to want it. And it's being set up now. But anyway, that's another story. But here's a couple things I know. For Siri... I've got to be in proximity for it to hear me and for it to respond. You see, I can't take Siri into the kid's town and leave it there and walk in here and say, Hey, Siri, why? It's not going to hear me. I'm not in proximity to me. I've got to be present near it. And here's another thing I found. Though the feature can be self-seeking. Hey, Siri, buy me this. Hey, Alexa, go on Amazon and buy me this. It can be very self-seeking, but it was meant to be a social interaction feature. Hey, Siri, FaceTime my family for me. I want to see them. Then one more thing I've noticed is it's really great at giving directions sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes it's bad, but it's really nice if I'm somewhere in the Metroplex I can just say, hey, Siri, take me to the church. And it pops up with 101 East Highland Street, South Lake, Texas, 76092, and it leads me right here. How many of you know we've got something so much better? I almost titled this message, Hey, Spirit, but I thought some of you might be offended by that. So you know what I'm just going to say? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, how many of you know when we're in proximity, when we call out to him, he's going to answer every single time. And I believe because he's my advocate, because he's my counselor, because he's the spirit of truth, he's going to say, what can I help you with? 
You see, we look at the Holy Spirit as something that, some force out there that we have to muster up to. He's personal. He's right here, and he's much better than a digital personal assistant. And he's right there, ready to help. Why? Because we're a child of God. Now, if we're not a child of God, you better be crying out. But if we're a child of God, we can cry out. He'll hear us. He'll say, how can I help you? And I I think we can say things like, Holy Spirit, lead me. I'm coming into your presence today because I just, I'm struggling with something. I'm struggling with an area in my life. I don't know what to do. I need some guidance. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will hear you. Holy Spirit, connect me. I don't have a community of believers. I don't have a tribe or a group of people that I feel like that will be able to speak into my life and I can speak into their life. God, I'm feeling a little lonely in this area. Can I tell you the Holy Spirit will help you to find your people? He'll help you to find people that will come alongside you and you can come alongside them. Holy Spirit, I need some directions. Take me to the house of God. And in that place, I believe the Holy Spirit will speak. Can I tell you, and I know I risk offending some more of you. I've probably offended a lot of you today. But we need the gifts of the Spirit in the church to be active. I, I want to see them in the street. This is one of the reasons I love Revive Texas and Time to Revive is because they love seeing the gifts of the Spirit in the street. I want them in the street. Please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. I want them in the street. But this, this is the place where we incubate what God does in our lives. This is the place where it's easy. It's easy to hear God speak. And if we can understand and hear His voice and know it through the gifts of the Spirit, through tongues and interpretation, through words of wisdom and words of knowledge, through prophecy, through gifts of healing, then guess what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to take those out to the street. Can I tell you the next generation? we got some great CF&I students here. So glad you're here. I love this guy right here already. I've only known him a week. And Chuck is an amazing man of God. Yeah, he is. You should hear his testimony. We're going to hear it one day. How God called him out of Vietnam. And then last week happened to be his first week so I could connect him with Jonathan. He'd give Jonathan a few pointers. Can I tell you? These guys, they need to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Why? I don't want to just come to church and be a spectator. I want to be a participator. Some of you in this room, you need to be present in His presence. Some of you need to find your people and some of you just need to get into the house of God and stick there. And like Russ said earlier, 18 years saying, I'm going to stick here and I'm going to grow here. Would you bow your heads? Susan, would you come? I'm not going to belabor, but I really feel impressed to do this. Maybe you're in this place today. 
Maybe you've even been to church multiple times. But you hear the Savior calling, but you hear Him calling you to repentance. That's okay. Even as a believer, sometimes we need to repent. But there's somebody in this place, and Joni, my wife, was not off. She said that somebody was struggling with faithfulness. What I heard the Lord say was you're struggling with your faithfulness to God. And what you need is to surrender. To surrender your life to Jesus Christ. To surrender to Him fully and say, God, my life is yours. I'm tired of holding a portion of it back. I'm tired of of trying to do certain things on my own. And today is a day of surrender. With every head bowed and every eye closed, without, without going into a long thing, how many of you would say, that's me? I'm struggling with surrendering my life to Christ. And I today want to surrender fully. Would you raise your hand? Amen. 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 Thank you. You can put your hands down. Anybody else like to join these three individuals? Saying, I just, I need to fully surrender. It's time. It's time to fully surrender my life to Christ. Amen. Would everyone stand in this place? If you raised your hand, I want you to repeat after me. If you did not raise your hand, I want you to repeat after me. Just all over this place, would you just repeat this? Say, Lord Jesus, here I am today. I know I need to surrender. I'm struggling with faithfulness. Today I surrender to you, Lord. Forgive me for not following you with my whole heart and my whole life. I surrender my life to you. I believe in you, Jesus. I know you're the way, the truth, and the life. I know you died for me and gave everything for me. And I know you were raised from the dead for me. Thank you, Jesus. I give up my life and I pick up yours. Forgive me, Jesus. Help me to walk in your ways. Help me to walk in your truth. Holy Spirit, fill my life so that I may be guided and led by the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, come in and take control of my life now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now just thank Him right now. Just thank Him right now. Thank you, Jesus.